podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to one of the 10 best English-language Fiorentina podcasts on the internet. Welcome to Viola Station. Viola Nation, who has missed us? Come on, you know it. You guys are listening right now, and you finally, finally are getting to hear some Americans talking about Italian football in the most beloved city in the world, Florence. We are back. Scoring is not... But uh, we're happy to be here. Tito, what's new, my man? Oh, a lot of new things. But even as new things appear, everything stays the same, right? Uh, same old Fiorentina. feel like we could have had this exact mood when we recorded a year ago, which is uh, about when our last episode was. I suppose the biggest new thing we should bring up, though, is we have managed to drag producer Mike Hines out from behind the glass and into the booth. Producer Mike, what's up, man? Uh, I figured that you guys shouldn't be the only ones allowed to say your dumb ideas on the air. So, like, that seemed like just really what I wanted to be a part of. Yeah, we're, we're very glad to have a, a 50% increase of our stupid ideas. And I think that's also probably where we ought to, uh, you know, thank our new host here. Uh, so, yeah, big thank you to the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the largest sporting podcast network in Europe, which is a little bit funny because we are as McMike said, extremely American. Uh, extremely. But yeah, big thanks to uh, Jake and the whole and uh, Laura, the whole team over there for getting us up and running again. We're really happy to be uh, to be back in it and back in the saddle here. And I think that means there's only one real thing we have left before we really, uh, really get into this, guys. Mike's, what are you drinking? I feel like I should be lying here, but uh, no, nah, just straight water at this point. Uh, that's it. Sorry to let everybody down. You want to elaborate on why? Uh, for for legal purposes, <laughs> uh, no, no, I will not be. Le- uh, no, no, no. I'm not I, better. I I have water too. It's yeah. just after a game like that, if you start going, it's just the infinite pit of despair. So probably just best to stick with water. No, that's fair. You need to rehydrate all those tears that have squeezed out. I'm also drinking water, but it's sober January for me for like three more days. So next uh, next one of these record, I'll probably be blackout. Be ready for that. Uh, <laughs> has that has case, it worked? Sober, sober January, has it worked for you? Uh, I mean, I've been sober. Uh, have you lost any weight? Feeling better? <laughs> no? No? Okay. Uh, How has right. your mood been? I mean, I'm still watching Fiorentina, man. My, my mood's been terrible. <laughs> I mean, what, wow. what do you think? Come on, there's yeah, there's always so much that uh, the cutting the alcohol can uh, can bring me here. But all right, let's let's go ahead and dive in. And uh, since it's been about a year since we last did one of these, let's go ahead and review uh, what we've missed in a little segment we're going to call Hindsight 2020. Get it? Because we've got Mike Hines. Hindsight. I hate how proud of yourself you are there. Oh, man, it's like having my dad here. This is great. Uh, So first first of all, let's start out. Uh, As a team, is Fiorentina about where you thought they'd be? McMike, do you want to start us off? 
I, I've been very impressed with this club up and through up until the the winter break, I guess you would say. Past few games would change things just a little bit. But as you look at the next four games, very, very winnable. I think that we could start looking at a team now sitting in fifth after dropping quite a few points after the, you know, finish the first half and fourth. I think I do. I really do. I think that over the next couple of weeks, you're going to see a bunch of healthier players coming back. I think we're going to be in a good spot. So, yes, I am very happy with where we are. Uh, I would like to see a good Mercado. Uh, not so sure that's going to happen, but uh, I'm very happy. I, I I can't say anything more than just very happy. Does it feel like an overachievement to you? If, if I look at the team, yes. I think uh, you have one or two really good players. Uh, I think you see uh, a couple players that have fit the bill. But uh, I think that also, uh, when you look at it, there, there's really two tails here. As, as Fiorentina overachieved, yes. Has the rest of the league underachieved? Atalanta just came... Uh, into fourth. Um, now you're starting to see Napoli start to pick it up. Lazio, they played here today, uh, both getting a point. Uh, uh, Bologna, who's up there playing very, very well. Their Mercados, you would have to argue, have been better than ours, dollar for dollar. Um, so, yeah, no, I I, I think, uh, you know, it's a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Well, that's that's fair about you, Hans. This uh. Is this about where you thought Fiorentina was going to be at this point? Overall, yes. Uh, Copa and Conference League, this is par for the course. Like that, this is moving on to the next rounds in both scenarios. It's absolutely where we should be in the cup competitions. I really think the only supplies, surprise is that we somehow found our way in fourth. I personally attribute that much more to other teams underperforming than us overperforming. It's just the teams that normally we're fighting for. They just haven't had the year. Roma, Lazio, Atalanta, like they're all starting to come back better now. And it's no surprise as they're doing that, we're starting to slide. But I do think you can't take that away from this team because we are still performing where we need to, making adjustments where we do mostly. Technically, we have the depth to keep going. Technically, because we have literal bodies, if they're useful, that's another point of discussion but i think we're right about where we should be yeah i think i'm kind of with y'all i i think that uh those few weeks in fourth place felt like a little bit of italiano sorcery a little bit of luck yeah just looking at the table now fiorentina 34 points i think technically behind lazio so in sixth because lazio did win that uh previous matchup so they're up on head-to-head so let's say between fifth place, Lazio, 34 points. Sixth place, Fiorentina, 34 points. Seventh place, Bologna, 33 points. Eighth place, Roma, 32 points. Ninth place, Napoli, 32 points. Tenth place, Torino, 31 points. It's pretty tight. There are four points separating these, what, seven teams? So, I mean, at the end of the year, this could shake out pretty much any old way. And I think that's probably the biggest concern to me is that despite, you know, this sort of unexpected high-flying stretch, it could really sort of collapse by the end of the year uh, if a few things don't turn around, especially after some, let's say, disappointing recent results 
But uh, yeah, I tell you what, let's let's move on here, and uh, let's let's look back at a at a happier uh, Mercato. Maybe, probably not, because we don't have those in Florence. Uh, how do you think the the two major uh, major personnel moves have worked out? Let's start out with a. Uh, Swapping out King Arthur Cabral and Luka Jovic for Luka Beltran and Mbala and Zola. Mike, Mike, where are you at? Uh, a push. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's a push. You know, at this point, I I don't think that what we did replacing Dusan years ago has ever amounted into absolutely anything. I mean, you take a look at it; it's still the biggest void on the team. And a team that is uh, always pressing up top, always looking for that tip to 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 get um, near the goal. Somebody who can play with their back towards it, as well as run and and get on the ball when those wings are going to be sending over uh, across. We're missing all of that. Uh, I think Beltran has a lot more upside than any of the two players that you mentioned. Um, you know have but i i still am at a point where i'm not sure who beltran is 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 he a center forward or is he a guy who needs to play behind somebody as that second striker um enzola looked decent at times today uh but i think that that's also the nicest thing that you can say about him this entire season so that does not give too much confidence inside of that group. So I say it's a push because they were equally as bad last year. I'd put us at slightly worse. That's just me though. I think Cabral for Beltran, I mean, completely different styles of play, but as far as output contribution, I feel like they're about on par. Jovic to Nzola, and I can't believe I'm saying this about Jovic, but he was a step up. He, he literally put the ball in the net when he was on sides at least a couple times whereas like i just that's i think enzola needs an exorcism he needs something because it's just not happening right now and i don't know what he needs to do to turn it around but it just doesn't look like it's happening anytime soon maybe needs to do that jovic mean mug into the ball like he, he just mean mugged that ball into the goal at times because it wasn't all the skill that jovic had last year well i mean as long as he doesn't start uh Shushing the curva, I think he's at least a step ahead, but he's a step behind everywhere else. I, I think I'm with you, Heinz. Like, yeah, I like Beltran a lot. I think he's a fun player, useful player. Now that he's started scoring goals occasionally, really looks like he's starting to come good. That said, I still think that uh, Arthur Cabral was such a perfect tactical fit for Italiano. Thought he just fit the bill for what Italiano wanted from his strikers perfectly, especially out of possession. And yeah, Zola, like I, I'm not, I'm not uh, one of the crowd of voices who think that he's just you know, trash. But it's just clearly not working out. And sometimes that, when that happens, you just need to change the scenery. Like I feel bad for the dude, honestly, more than anything. Even though he has like, uh, like you said, McMike had some good flashes. Uh, speaking of good flashes, how about swapping uh, Arthur Mello for Sofian Amrabat? Feel like that's been definitely a little bit harder to judge and frankly a lot more interesting to talk about stylistically i'd call that one even i think you're right 100 different stylistically but as far as impact um 
Arthur's been one of the standouts this year. Amrabat was the standout to start last year. Like, not a like for like replacement, but he's absolutely come in and done a job and held it down. I I would say that Arthur is a step above Amrabat, and I'll, I'll put it into this context. They may be having the same impact in their position, but right now Arthur's doing that on a far superior team as we right now sit in the table. So when you look at the impact of Fiorentina's season, Arthur has to get that nod against Amrabat, who... Yes, he he was the MVP of the season last year, but that team finished eighth. Right now, halfway through the season, we're sitting we're sitting fourth. I, I think that the impact Arthur's having is a better impact and more stylistically in line with what Italiano wants out of that position. And I, I want to seize on that last thing you said the the stylistic difference. I was convinced that bringing Arthur in was going to completely destroy this team because Amrabat. Just all he did last year was put out fires everywhere else on the field. And Arthur, God love him, does not have that kind of athleticism to uh, to be closing things down like that. But yeah, I think that his ability to control the tempo and get the team, especially through the first two thirds, I had no idea he was going to be this impactful to me. He's the best regista we've seen in Florence. What, since David Pizarro, you think? I mean, his, his ability to just regulate the tempo, keep the ball moving, keep it going where it needs to go is astounding to me. And I, I think the difference between him and whoever's behind him on the depth chart, in this case, I'd say it's probably Maxime Lopez, is just so, so visible. Uh, it, it feels like the team with Arthur is always in control. And as soon as he's off the field, they are completely out of control. And I've... I think I'm with you. I think with Amrabat, they felt out of control in a slightly different way. It it felt much more reactive, uh, sort of knowing that you had this bald missile flying around, hitting any problem spots. But with Arthur, it seems like the idea is to prevent those problem spots from opening up in the first place at all. Yeah, um, I have a lot more confidence right now in this this five game skid where we've only scored three goals with Arthur in the midfield directing this team than really anybody else, uh, especially going back to Amrabat. Now, here, here's an interesting question for the two of you guys. Next year, it's going to be awkward because you have a guy who's already said he loves Florence, wants to stay. Clearly, we're not going to be able to afford him. His agent's already been in and said his wages are too high. And a guy in Amrabat who's not going to be picked up by Manchester United has had a flop of a season and clearly, in my opinion, doesn't want to be in Florence. What is what is that going to look like for you guys? How do you predict that? I think I would happily take both. I at least want to see how it works for two weeks. I are. Arthur's control and Amrabat's chaos would be a hell of a double pivot to me. I th- I think part of what holds Arthur back a little is his defensive abilities. He's absolutely getting a little bit more stuck in these past few weeks, and I can't take that away from him. But it's not to the same level of the bald missile flying around the pitch. But I think if we had that bald missile flying around the pitch and Arthur controlling the tempo, this it could look pretty dangerous pretty quickly, at least getting the ball out from deep. Forwards still can't score, but at least the ball will get to them. 
I fully agree with you there. I think where I'm going to push back is that it's not an either or situation, right? This is Fiorentina. The real situation is that it's going to be neither. And let's all go ahead and just make peace with that. I, I think, yeah, McMike, you're right. Arthur's agent did talk about how he's happy in Florence, but it's financially probably not viable. I assume that he is viewing this as a trampoline to return to a you know, a big Champions League every year kind of club. And Amrabat, I have a feeling that uh, he may have burned a few bridges on his way out of Florence is uh, is what I've gathered, let's say. And I, I don't know if he's really going to be welcomed back. I think especially if he has a good AFCON tournament, which he has so far, he's been pretty solid. It should keep his value high enough to where a, uh, uh, one of the big clubs in one of the big leagues is still going to be more than willing to shell out some money for him. Probably, you know, what, 20 million, 25 million, somewhere in that range. We so, are yeah, going I'm... to get Mandragora and we are going to like it. <laughs> As we oh, always have. Um, oh, geez. But yeah, I think, I think really looking forward now, uh, before we have to make that choice, uh, what do y'all want to see from the team as a whole for the rest of this season? Uh, Heinz, start us off, why don't you? Win the games that we're supposed to. That's just really what it needs to be. I mean, you look back at some of the finishes we've had this year. Losses against Sassuolo and Empoli. Terrible losses. We couldn't score against the fourth worst defense, and we had two scored on us by the league's worst offense. Like, that's just, if you're a team making a push for top four, that can't happen. Those three points, and we actually have a solid hold on fourth. Not even that we're in fourth, we have a solid hold on fourth. You also have recently against Udinese, start of the year against Frozenone. I'll even throw in Roma, where they ended on nine men. You have to turn those draws into wins. You really need to. Those are winnable games that we should. Mike, you said at the start, like, the we have the next stretch is winnable. That's not where we thrive. So we win those games that we haven't been winning, and we have top four. I We'll stand by that. But are we going to? No idea. Goals, right? The answer has to be goals right now. So uh, I'm projecting that Luca Ranieri is going to be starting up top for the rest of the season. How, how <laughs> dare you insult uh, Luca Santina Squarta like that? Uh, well, you know, he's going to be he's going uh, to be the next man in there. Um, now, when you look at Alecce, Frozenone, Bologna, who's right up there. I mean, that's that's a must win game for us because that's a direct competitor. Uh, Empoli and then Lazio. I mean, three out of four of those are are gimmies, right? Uh, Bologna, Lazio or something that you have to uh, actually prepare for and, and show up with. So uh, at some point we have to start scoring goals without it. I don't know what's going to happen with this team. So you have to get some production up top. I think I'm with you. I think for me, it's just consistency. I mean, like, like you were talking about Heinz, we've seen this team uh, hit some very low levels when they're playing against low level competition. Uh, we've also seen this team play really well against higher level competition. I mean, beating Napoli in Naples, I think like, we're recording this right after the uh, Inter game. Fiorentina were honestly fairly good in that. They weren't better, but they went toe-to-toe with, I would say, probably the best team in Serie A and uh, gave a good account of themselves, really could have come out of that with a draw or even a win. And I think if they could bring that kind of level consistently every game, we'd be seeing a very different team in a very different table 
and tell you what, we might have to uh, talk about some of that stuff here in a sec after these messages. And we're back now. Let's go ahead, having reviewed this year, let's go ahead and look at some of the players we've had this year, too. And uh, I want to start out with the MVP thus far, and I would love to hear someone argue why it isn't Nico Gonzalez, because when he's on the field, Fiorentina is good and can score goals, and when he's not, uh, I would say otherwise is the case. Anyone got any really compelling cases? As long as it's not a... Uh... Penalty kick, I guess we're okay to accept that. I would also add a 1B to your 1A of Luca Ranieri. I think that he has been uh, fundamental in, in um, lining up the defense, you know, preventing goals. But also, I, has there been another guy on this team that just seems like he's the heartbeat of the team? I mean, that guy is bringing the culture of Florence into the squad. He's always, like, psyching everybody up. He's pumped. He's amped. He's he's telling everybody where they need to go. I, I love Ranieri. And who would have thought two years ago on this podcast that we would have said Ranieri was a, a 1B on this squad? I mean, I'll I'll go even further. At the start of last year, do you remember how he was supposed to get loaned out and the move fell through and he was completely surplus to requirements? 18 months later, he is probably Fiorentina's best defender, and he's only going to get better because now that he's a new father, he's got that dad strength added to his mustache, and he's going to be unstoppable. I, I agree mm -hmm. with you. I love Ranieri. If I get a, a Fiorentina shirt this year, it's going to have his name on it. How about you, Heinz? Do you think it's... Nico and then Ranieri and then everyone else. Is are there really no votes for Yeri Mina? Nobody. No, I mean, nobody. The purple Nurple and dance was incredible, but the purple Nurple, the was. penalty, the dance, yeah. like and just to leave in January. That is well, the best Fiorentina career I've seen in a while. Not, hey, he's still around. Who does? He could be Nurple in the into the future. Who can say? Our transfer market has kind of uh, faltered. Uh, every every uh, prediction out there has kind of just fizzled out. So, uh, Brecolo left the country. So that's step one. Anybody tracking that plane? He took a picture today with uh, Ivan Perisic at the Hajuk game. So right. confirmed, he's not in the country. <laughs> All right. But I that's actually, news. I said I'm here with my dumb takes. I'm going MVP is Arthur. Whoa, hang on now. Go on. Okay. Hear me out. Uh, every reason that we just listed before the break controls the play, showing more defense, increased playmaking ability. And for me, what makes him the MVP, the level of the team when he's not in it is significantly worse once you go to his backup compared to anybody else. The drop from Arthur to Maxime Lopez is way too massive. The team loses all sort of coherence, everything. For everybody else, we've been able to find a way to somehow work without them. Nico, we've ended up having two strikers up top to absorb some of that pressure from center backs, create open space. Kwame has been able to start to fill that gap slightly. When Jack's off the pitch, we change in formation. We make adjustments. Again, back to that 4-4-2, two strikers up top to accommodate for a lack of him. But when Archer's not on the pitch, we are so much worse. And it's not just necessarily about the goals and assists, because otherwise I'd say Lucas Martinez Quarta, because you he's on an absolute tear this year. But Arthur for me. 
I can't disagree. I'm fine with that. One A, one B, one C, and uh, then a drop from everybody else afterwards, which has to also be set. I'll I'll definitely agree that there's a significant drop off after those three. I I do. The one thing I do want to see out of Arthur, I want to see him have a little more influence in the final third. I mean, he's such a great passer, and he doesn't ever seem to get the ball uh, into the box as much. I know some of that is because he is playing so deep, and he's in charge of that build-up play. But I think that's the the last real thing I want from him. Addendum 1D, uh, Alfred Duncan. Yep, that was the other thing I was about to say. Heinz, you're on it, he's, he's making up for the final third contributions you're not getting from Arthur. Arthur's getting the ball only so far. Duncan's taking it from there. His deliveries into the box are better than we've ever seen Baragi do. The the only thing that he needs to do is still clean up some of those mistakes on the defensive side of the ball, and he does miss a couple passes every once in a while. One of my favorite players, love him in the city. He loves being in the city. Love him. But again, 1A, 1B, 1C. And then it's a couple levels down, and that would be the next guy. I agree. Good addition. Yeah, good good shout, Hines. I'm with you. I really have liked Alfred a lot this year. Uh, man, same thing so is. Fun. Oh, go ahead. Same thing is same thing as Luca Ranieri. I mean, Duncan was surplus to requirements. Was it last year, two years ago, wasn't even wanted. Loaned out to Cagliari. Now starter, and I can't imagine anybody else starting next to Arthur this year. Yeah, I, mean, I think it really goes to show how how fast life can come at you. And uh, speaking of life coming at you fast, we've, we've been so positive here about all of these excellent players, so effusive in their ability. I think we need to go ahead and bring this back down to our normal levels of pessimism. Uh, who's been the biggest disappointment for you thus far? Uh, McMike, you want to you wanna lead us off? Well, uh, okay. I mean, listen, there is a long list here. Um, I am, I I've been critical of this guy since he's got to the city. I I think there's so much potential here, unrealized potential. And on top of it, I'm going to say this because he's had the same issues since he's got to Florence and they've never once shown that they've worked on it. Jonathan Akone has to be up there as the biggest disappointment. And no, this isn't just like recent memory of him missing the the the, the uh, uh, kick. No, that's not it. He's not doing anything to move this club forward with his dribbling. And he is one of the best dribblers I've ever seen on the pitch. But it's like when I watch my seven and eight-year-old kids at a basketball game, the dribbles go nowhere a lot of the times. Those dribbles have to go somewhere and the ball eventually has to get to somebody or in the net. And that guy couldn't hit the net. You know, if it presented him, if, if the net actually presented itself and moved into the ball, that's that it, it's unheard of how bad he is getting that ball to a player in the box or the ball into the net. So, Ekone for me is the biggest disappointment and there's no surprise that he was rumored to leave even though he's staying. I, I don't attribute that more towards he's shown that he should stay. I attribute it more towards Fiorentina won't spend the money to replace him with somebody better. I mean, that's that's fair. I guess I would counter by saying, you know, 
what's the real difference in Ikone this year in terms of output? I mean, last season he had what uh, four goals in the league, I believe, and then a, a couple more in European competitions. I mean, he's never been especially prolific. I agree with you that he's definitely been on whatever the opposite of a heater is, a cooler, I guess. Uh, that 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 uh, Monza game where he had the open net and somehow let Danilo D'Ambrosio block it after he'd rounded two defenders and the keeper is still one of the craziest things I've ever seen. But I, I guess to me, because that is sort of what I assume Ikone is going to do, is just chaotic things all the time. The fact that he's... <laughs> boy, is he doing chaotic things. Almost feels exactly like on on the in character for him but i can definitely see how you would be uh how do they say deluso uh about the whole thing i i think that's a very fair answer hans where are you at with him they seem to be more mental errors this year i think there have been he as we said he's always been a world class dribbler he seems like head down, dribbles through seven people, and then finds his way dribbling into numbers eight and nine and losing the ball. Or it's not a matter of like past couple of years, you know, gets into the box. What happens next is the ball goes sideways, miraculously completely misses the net. It just seems like he's not making the right decisions this year. That game against Roma where he had Jack streaking wide open on the left side and he's just head down and buried. It's just more examples of things like that where it's not that he couldn't do it it's just that he's not seeing things and that's the difference this year at least last year i felt his ball carrying was significantly better and he was at the very least progressing the ball that that's fair i think it really is all about confidence with him too which makes sense for someone who's doing such an individualistic job on the field you know trying to beat people 1v1 dribbling that is going to be a, a job that relies on confidence pretty significantly and I, I feel like if there's any way to get him back feeling good, maybe he can turn that around over the second half. I sure would love that. I mean, I like I like Johnny Ikone. He seems like a really fun guy, interesting dude. His teammates all seem to like him. But yeah, boy, howdy, does he he really does need to turn it around? Uh, Scored that absolute bagger in the conference league, though. Yeah, that was sick. Just need but more like, of that. You could tell he just wasn't thinking. He just literally just he went on autopilot. Oh, hey. Goal, let it rip. And that's amazing what happens. No, nah, yeah, no, I think I think that's fair. So, okay, McMikey might have convinced me here that Ikone, more for his, uh, his mental drop-off than any on-pitch stuff, has been the biggest disappointment. And again, that's not all his fault. This is a bunch of different factors. I think we can all agree. Uh, Heinz, convince me that someone else has been more disappointing. Inzola. I'm sorry. He's just not it. I liked the signing when he came in. I thought it made sense, especially when signing Beltran. Coming off double digits goals in the league last year, he's been in Serie A now for a few years. Familiarity with Italiano. He was never supposed to be out-and-out starting number nine, but he was supposed to essentially be a placeholder or steady backup when Beltran's still getting used to the league, still adapting, getting used to everything. And he hasn't been. Maybe it's worked out because Beltran's been firing a little sooner than potentially expected because he's been forced to play because Zola has been so... It's comically bad. I mean, like, it's just true. 
absolutely written in the cosmos that the only time he's put the ball in the back of the net in literal recent memory, he was offsides by like a full body length. It's just, it's not working for him. I wish it would have worked out because he seemed like he could have been at least a steady contributor. Not expecting double digit goals in Florence, but not this. Yeah, that that feels pretty fair to me. I I place that as more of a blame on the scouting side as far as uh, not not necessarily the scouting side, the business side. We identified the player that we wanted in Dia. Didn't get him. And then we settled for a junior version of it. Um, I, I think, again, had the team actually gotten the money to get the guy that they wanted, we'd be in a much better spot. And I think that probably fifth could be looking certainly closer to third by having a better striker up top. Um, and, and Tito, you may go, I'm going to throw just uh, probably a name that uh, is not going to be appreciated. Um, this is going to be a wild card here. Samuel but- Ritchie. <laughs> uh, we can talk later about the uh, a great uh, Italian, Italian national uh, midfielders that that my heart is is aching for. Um, how about how about Milankovic? You know, I don't think he's the biggest issue on the club. However, he's still young. He's years of experience. He hasn't had a a Milankovic type year where, you know, he's cleaning up the back. I mean, that's fallen to Ranieri. And where he's scoring a lot of these goals, like that's LMQ and Ranieri now. So like, what is Milankovic's role on this team? I am confused, concerned. You you pick the word, but uh, he's probably not the biggest disappointment, but I am concerned at Milankovic's year, what's going to happen afterwards. You know, is he still bought into Florence and Fiorentina? I, I am starting to question it. Oh man, I I've I thought he's I think he's been fine this year. I don't think he's been good. I think you're right about that, but I don't think he's been particularly bad either. I think it's more just that having some other competent central defenders means he doesn't shine by comparison quite as much. Uh, I mean, it's it's harder to look world class when you're not playing next to uh, Igor, letting every ball bounce over his head. <laughs> Uh, from say last year so I, I think to me it's more just a a heuristic of like who's there than anything else and I, I guess with the goals too it feels to me and y'all are welcome to disagree here that uh, goals from defenders are inherently a little bit random and noisy so I don't want to judge anyone too harshly on that he's come close a few times he's forced some good saves so I think he's been close to being involved a little bit more I, I don't know. Uh, Hines, you want to you want to break the tie here? I, I kind of want to sit in the middle. I don't think he's regressed. I think, if anything, he's kind of plateaued a bit. I think there have been a few more mistakes this year. But kind of goes back to your point where if he was the last man back covering for the bald missile number two, Igor, then, you know, it was kind of fine if he made a mistake because really we were in the position because of someone else's mistake, whereas his mistakes stand out a little bit more now. But I also do just think it's a matter of the other center backs are playing better. I don't think he's been particularly bad, but Ranieri and Martinez Cuarta are just playing incredibly well. So you kind of can't not play them. I mean, at least today we found a new role as target man in the 90th minute, but I thought he did fine at that, honestly. 
No, that's fair. I, I mean, I'll, I'll go from biggest disappointment in size from Milenkovic to smallest. I, I think my biggest disappointment has been uh, Maxi Lopez. I mean, I mentioned it earlier. I really thought he was going to be a perfect fit. And the fact that he is scrapping with Rolando Mondragora for the uh, the backup spot behind both Arthur and Alfred Duncan has really disappointed me. I think he needs to add a lot more. He's he's just so small. He gets bounced around, offers no control, no physical presence. Yeah, I I, I thought he's a major letdown. Honestly, I, I really expected more from him. And the drop off from Arthur to him in terms of playmaking ability. Like if you don't have the size and the ability to really get stuck in defensively, like then you need to make up for it elsewhere. And it's just not up to par. I mean, thankfully it's alone with obligation, I think, right? Because I don't see us redeeming him. Yeah, I'm I think it's uh McMike, you're you're always better on this stuff than I am. It's uh it becomes obligatory if he needs certain um certain statistics, but I'm not sure what what they are. If it's games played, that's not happening. We know that for and, sure. Yeah, he he that's why hey. he's riding the bench. I mean, performance or pay for performance. Either way, he, he's not going to be playing far too many more games at this point. Yeah, that's I mean, I think also just because he was so good at that deep role for Sassuolo, I really thought he was going to be able to bring that to Florence, and he, he sure hasn't. Uh I don't know. I'm yeah, that's that surprised me a lot, but I don't know if it's the biggest surprise on the season. So let's let's dive into that next. What's what's caught y'all most off guard about this this half season so far? Other than the fourth place, I I, I honestly I would say fourth place is it. Um inter's predictable. Juve, you know, they're probably outplaying more, you know, where I would have had them, I, I probably would have had them a, a spot or two below. Um, but us after Inter, Juve, and and AC Milan um, at the at the half, that was it. Fourth place. Now we're fifth, and all those teams are catching up. So I, I think we're kind of getting back to where I would have predicted us, which is in that six to eight range. Yeah, I think that's fair. Let's uh let's hit a break here real quick, and we'll finish this on the other side. Stay hanged out, y'all. And yeah, I think that's I think we're back. And I think that's a fair point, McMike, about uh the uh the table position probably being the biggest surprise. It's almost that uh Paulo Sousa Capolista in what was that, 2016 when they printed out the mugs? Um I I think for me the biggest surprise has been Michael Coyote. Honestly, at the start of the year, I remember thinking that, oh yeah, this kid, he's looked good in preseason. He might even get a look briefly, but I think it's probably going to be Eduardo Pierozzi, who's the main backup to Dodo. And then it wasn't just the injuries to uh, Pierozzi and Dodo that threw him into the spotlight. Remember, he started that game uh, against uh, against Genoa. Sorry, brain fart there. <laughs> to open the season, he was fantastic. So he clearly convinced Italiano early on. And I think he's... You know, he's had some incredible performances, uh, none more so than absolutely erasing uh, Kvara Karachkelia in Napoli, or in Naples, rather. But I also think that he's fallen off a little bit. I think now that other teams have a little bit of film on him, uh, they're starting to figure out his strengths and weaknesses. And, I mean, that's fine. He's 19, right? He's 
only going to get better. I'm still so excited to watch his career. The sky's the limit for him. I did not think he was going to be anywhere near ready for Serie A. And the fact that he's, you know, started to show a couple of minor shortcomings doesn't change that for me. He's just been so impressive to me and sort of out of the blue, too. Well, coming out of the Euros, I mean, that was the guy who was just kind of shot out of a cannon. So here's the question I have for you. I agree with everything you just said. What has been more impressive? On one side, Coyote's performance this year. On the other side, Fiorentina's actually already renewed his contract. <laughs> it's the latter. We, yeah. We're all thinking it. We're all thinking yep. it. Yep. Yep. No, that's, I, I like how you set that up as a question when it's not a question at all. It's just a pure statement of fact. Well done, McMike. Yeah, well yeah, done, you know, indeed. I mean, when, when does that ever happen that we've actually re-signed an upstart player in, in the peak of, of his youth as he's already showing promise, as he's saying, I want to re-sign, and his contract's not up, sort of like, all right, let's get ahead of this. Is is Barone and Prade actually learning from their mistakes previously? I just, I just thought that was illegal. I didn't think you were allowed to do it. Well, hang on, hang on, guys. We're forgetting the obvious counterexample here of them actually getting that right. And uh, that's Marco Benassi. Heinz, what's your biggest surprise? I don't know how to follow up Benassi with surprise because is there no better surprise than him? There are better surprises than Marco Benassi, perhaps. I think surprise, I'm going to go with Italiano's flexibility. I think this year we are completely different than last year. Lining up more with a double pivot instead of that flat midfield three. Fully committed to it at this point. So it was kind of not as drastic of a change, but it was definitely still a difference in how we're playing and how we're building up with the ball. And for somebody last year who was so ride or die on his own tactics, I really wasn't expecting a change. We've seen now in game when we're chasing a goal, we're switching up to that to a dual striker up top, more lining up as a 4-4-2 kind of thing, completely changing the original plan, coming up with something different. A lot of times it's been yielding results. It'll net us a goal or two whenever we're chasing. So sort of that ability to change on the fly. I mean, Bologna in the Copa playing with a back three because we had literally 12 people total. We could have fielded that game and they made it work on short notice, short rests, somehow turning out a result there by switching to a formation that we've never seen Italiano ever use from the onset before. Uh, uh, can I yes and that a little bit? Because I think the the real change to me has been not just formational and where he's deploying players, but maybe even more uh, in how he's using the ball. Because there have been times this year when Fiorentina has sat, de- sat deep, soaked up pressure, and then just hammered the ball long to the striker. It almost looks like a, a Tony Pulis team sometimes. And compare that to what we saw last year where everything was built up from the back slowly, no matter what. I think that being able to change that tempo has really been what uh, what's jumped out to me about Italiano. It's clear that he spent this summer thinking very hard about how to uh, get more out of his team. And I think it's really cool that he settled on such a different approach for some games that he can vary in-game as well. I think you're absolutely correct about that. 
I also have to appreciate and love the fact that we fully committed to Lucas Martinez Cuarta, false center back, false nine, whatever we want to call his role. Because last year it was a fun joke. We're like, oh, hey, damn, how did he pop up there? But it is very much a part of the plan this year, and you could see it very clearly. Do we, do we just have to call him a central midfielder now because he's playing center back slash striker? And if you just average those out, he's, his heat map is going to average out to being in the center circle, essentially, I would bet. Cordell Stewart, slash back of the day. Um, question, question for you guys today, because uh, we were all watching the game today, and throughout the entirety of the game, commenters in-game as well as in uh, halftime talked about Fiorentina being who they are and constantly pressing. And they were commenting and saying, like, hey, maybe they need to change it up get away from the press, you know, Inter's going to counter every single time. Look good. I mean, really, all we're missing is somebody who can actually score the ball, but we are who we are. We're, we're sticking with that. What are, what are your thoughts based off of what the commenters were saying on the in-game side? I think, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. I think it kind of nets out somewhere in the middle. If they really kind of commit to it, like it's who we are, like that's, that's what's gotten us into the conference league from relegation places in a couple of years. Like we set up a system, we've worked with that system and it was from Pepe to Italiano. And all of a sudden we're in the European places. And now we're very much in the mix for higher European places. So it's working. I think we're starting to see some of that movement. Like I mentioned, like there's more in-game changes. You'll see Tito said there are games we will sit back and just absorb the pressure so I think we're starting to see it. There's probably still some, you know, we're a little bit too naive at times. It's always going to be in those big games where you want to make a statement. You know, a game like today versus Inter, we're going to press. A game like Juve, we're going to press. It's going to backfire. It's absolutely going to cost us a goal or two, but it's something we're just going to keep on doing. And I, I think for me also, I, I got sort of two angles of attack for this. The first is that the pressing is integrated into the strategy with the ball, without the ball. You can't you can't play the same way and just not press. It it won't work. It just doesn't work that way. Like it's a fluid game. It's not it's not like playing FIFA where you can turn the slider to don't press or press and everyone just reacts immediately. It it's so much more complicated than that. So I think that's uh, frankly, I think that's a lot of the commentators doing a disservice when they pretend like otherwise is the case. Uh, the other thing I'll say is that, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this, but I think it's really hard to quantify how effective a press is. Uh, I mean, you know, against Inter, probably the best team in the league, most goals scored, fewest conceded. Fiorentina were always going to lose. They were always going to give up chances, right? Like that was never in question. Uh, I thought Fiorentina pressed pretty well for the most part. Uh, they they pinned Inter deep several times. They won the ball high up and created chances for themselves. Uh, I also think that they cut off a lot of attacks at the root uh, very deep in Inter's half rather than letting them build up, work the ball around, get into a rhythm and lose control of the game entirely. And to me, that's a very viable approach. It also fits in, I think, with 
the way that Italiano wants his players to operate, which is with a lot of courage, a lot of freedom. And I think that's a really good thing. I think we've seen the opposite, like you said, under uh, Giuseppe Iacchini, when players don't have that freedom to go forward. they And I think that transfers into their attitude for the rest of the game. When it's always sit back, sit back, be in position, keep your formation, uh, make sure that your shape is always exactly where it has to be uh, relative to everyone else. I think that impacts you in other areas as well. And so I think that Italiano empowering his players to, no, play on the front foot, go out there. I want you to control the game, even against bigger opponents. Uh, I think that's a really positive thing. And even if it means, you know, Fiorentina loses to Inter Milan, that's fine. They're going to lose to Inter Milan either way. I'd rather they do it going out there and going punch for punch than, you know, curling into fetal position and just getting thrashed. So I, I, sorry, that was a very long-winded way to say like, yeah, keep pressing. It's great. I'm all for it. it. It's what we should be doing. The other thing I'll add to that is there are certain games where we kind of have no choice. Coming up against Juve or Inter, like they will hit you on the break. But if they get that one, they're going to sit back. They're going to absorb the pressure. They're going to retain the ball if possible. What are you going to do? Just sit back and just, you know, hope you get a turnover. You have to take the game proactively. You kind of have to go for it. Otherwise, you're just pretty much going out that you're conceding to lose. So, you know, in these games, what else were we going to do? I mean, it, it ended up playing into Inter's hands, but like it is what it is. You still have to go out there and try and win the game. Um, we actually went. Is this half the episode? Without mentioning Beppe Acchini, Fiorentina's greatest manager of all time, soon to be bronzed and statued in front of the Franchi or wherever the stadium's going to be, right? Yeah. The statue that's going to be Petrone stealing his hat, right? Like, there's no uh, other scene that there can be. No. Still the best know. moment of that whole era, I would argue. Uh, tell you what, I'm, I'm going to wrench this back onto the rails here. Real quick. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, let's talk about uh, best new arrival. I mean, I think, Heinz, you're going to say it's Arthur. I can't I'm pick him for Arthur. MVP and not pick him again. So yeah, no, I, I'm going to be bored. I'll stick with him. Yeah, I, I'm fully in agreement. Uh, McMike, are you going to buck the trend here? Nope. Wow. That nope. was so Stun. easy. Stunned. Yeah. We can go signing. 1A and 1B again if we want. You, we can count Coyote as a new arrival. I mean, yeah. realistically, at the end of the day, he was. He wasn't a transfer in, but he I mean, definitely will, wasn't on the team last year. I will throw a, uh, I will throw some plaudits towards uh, Davide Faraoni, I think, who has only recently. arrived recently, but his look yeah. fantastic. Credit to him. I've been really impressed with him, uh, both defensively and going forward. I think I was a little bit skeptical about his defending. But man, uh, that block on Carlos Augusto, uh, that stonewall tackle on Mkhitaryan, I think it was. I mean, he's just been amazing, I think, and played in some lovely crosses, already has his first assist. I mean, holy smokes, the guy, guy can play, even though he's, you know, ancient, old, washed up at the advanced age of uh, 32. 
What, what did you do when you were 32? Not not that I can tell you that much. So I could. Well, I was sitting in a bunker recording a podcast with you, Yahoo's, is what I was doing <laughs> at 32. Yeah. <laughs> uh, addition by subtraction, Breccolo gone. That's the only other thing I can add. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's very fair. I think just getting him out of here. I mean. He's not an option on the bench anymore. So thank goodness. That's good. Yep. I'm I'm just really glad I don't have to pretend to like him even a little bit. I've always found him to be a pretty loathsome character given his uh very publicly homophobic stance that he's never apologized for, never tried to mitigate. Uh so yeah, basically the hell with that guy. I'm delighted to see him out of Florence and that I don't have to pretend like I don't think he's a garbage human being anymore. It's great. He'll now he'll now just be in the lore of uh, Fiorentina players that we just use as the name when we sign the next old, highly waged person that has raped, murdered, pillaged, and can't ever get rid of. So, uh, yeah, yeah, really something when you uh, get to join the hallowed company of Cyril Terrio and Alexander Kokarin and uh, God, who else am I missing? Probably way too many. Uh, anyways, I have a question for you guys. As far as transfers in, to me, the biggest mystery we have is Infantino. Where is he at this point? And how bad is it that we have no wingers and we're willing to play Parisi on the left wing instead of giving him any sort of run at game time? Uh, Infantino's good guess is anybody's i don't know like at this point we've seen a couple articles that he may be loaned out uh in january so he's clearly not part of what they're doing inside of uh, fiorentina right now i can't imagine that his trainings are going very well or he'd get some opportunity to run because you're right kwame is not here you have uh sotil who can't stay healthy enough in pregame to actually make it on the pitch after he's designated as a starter, we finally get rid of, get rid of uh, Breccolo. So, you know, you would think uh, a 20 year old kid with some serious wheels would have some flexibility to get out there and run. Uh, I can't, I can't fathom anything other than he's just not doing very well inside of training to uh, warrant any type of minutes. I mean, I'll, I'll actually go the other way. I'm not worried about him at all. He, came into Florence with a reputation as a player who really wasn't ready, I think. I mean, he hadn't scored a whole lot The uh, back in Argentina. He was considered talented but extremely raw, and I think that's exactly what he's shown in Italy so far. I mean, it's obviously a really tough adjustment for anyone, especially a very young person uh, moving halfway across the world and uh, getting into a a new job that's that highly pressurized. So I'm, I'm not worried about him in the slightest. I think we saw in his brief cameo against Parma that he looked just not ready. He wasn't good enough to really make an impact against a, a good Serie B team. So yeah, I, I'm not worried. I When he signed, I assumed this was one for the future. I think it's going to take him a, probably a couple years, maybe three to really uh, get it together. But, you know, that's I think that's really okay. Like, I, I think this is 
sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna take us off on a tangent before we go into another break here. Uh, I think this is one of the things that really bothers me about the modern game is this assumption that every player you sign is going to immediately make an impact. There's no patience, no tolerance for letting a player settle into a new team with a new language, a whole different way of playing, a whole new tactical system. Like, yeah, of course it's going to take him a while to to figure it out. Uh, I think we've seen the same with Lucas Beltran. You remember a couple months ago, people were saying he was a complete flop, he was useless, get him out of here. I mean, that's just how it is. Sometimes players need a little bit of time to really find their feet. And I think that Infantino, you know, maybe he winds up being another, I don't know, uh, Hernan Toledo or something, like another young Argentine player who was on the roster for a little bit. Yeah, Giannis Hadji, for sure. Uh, It just, you know, never really makes an impact. That's possible. I'm not saying that he's going to be a star, but I'm saying it's just way too early to judge him. And I don't, I don't understand why we assume that a really young player uh, is going to make an impact at senior level just right away. Again, it's not FIFA. That's just not how it works. I, I wish we could kind of temper our expectations a little bit better collectively. I think for me, where I just have the one fear is that when we've had literally nobody, we weren't even kind of giving him a run in. And again, not to say that it's in any way shape or form a negative on him i just at the very least would have expected some sort of minutes he got a couple cameo minutes to start the year but just not getting it when there's literally no one else i hope that we didn't just pluck a kid out of argentina for nothing pretty much and we'll see where that goes but transfer market it who knows what it does so we're going to talk about that in just a minute or so be right back guys now that we are backed, we're going into January. It's ending. Nothing's happened of note. But we still have to talk about it because, of course, we do. So, Tito, kick us off. Well, the first question we have on the running order that you've given me is, uh, uh, hang on, let me zoom in here and make sure I'm reading this, put my glasses on. Uh, Mike's, how fucked are we? Uh <laughs> Uh, let, let me I, I, let me ask another question. Uh, have Have you guys ever come into a Mercado and been less excited about the names that you've heard in the Mercado than this year? I think so. Yeah, I think there were definitely a few under the uh, like in the Mihailovic years, uh, probably under Paulo Sousa in that second year. Uh, Man, those Yakini years, not a lot of very exciting links, I will say. But that's, I mean, also, I don't really expect a whole lot of good stuff to happen in January transfer-wise, so I'm I'm a bad person to ask this to. Where are you at, Hans? I normally tend to lean with you on January because you don't like to mess up a team's rhythm midway through the season. But I think we're kind of in a tricky position right now because we found ourselves in the race for top four. And it's not good to have a make or break window be in the middle of January, middle of the season. But kind of here we are. It's a put up or shut up moment for us. If we want to continue the fight for top four, we absolutely need reinforcements. I mean, we have injuries. AFCON's going on. Kwame's still there somehow. Ivory Coast moved on, but they're still going. So we still don't have Kwame. 
back to nothing on the wings at the moment. Something needs to be done. We need to bring in somebody because players are hurt. Once Kwame comes back, who knows how he's going to be? He's been playing games this whole time. You don't know if it's going to have that same impact like the World Cup did, where players came back, they were hurt, they were tired. There wasn't as much juice in the legs anymore because if we don't make any changes, we're not going to be in this position. I agree 100%. I mean, how can you allow a fourth-place mid-year finish just slide? Look at look at what's already happening on social media right now. So let's take this off the pitch, which, you know, we like to do. We like to analyze the uh, the chaos that happens on, on the various social media platforms. Do we have to? Well, I feel like it's not a good it, idea. Have you guys noticed <laughs> what has come back? What has come back on everybody's post when they're talking about this club and specifically Rocco now? Well, I can actually give you a little bit more evidence. Did you see the uh, leaflets that had popped out uh, before this Inter game uh, around the around the stadium? I think mostly in the Curva. It was a, a flyer that just said, I'm translating here, Rocco, wake up. One way or another, I, I think we're at a point where this club, this administration, this ownership has to figure out if they're going to be somebody that invests in the club or not. Because no matter what's going on inside, outside of the stadium, one thing is for sure, we're a self-financing team. Who else was a self-financing team? Della Valles. What happened to them? They got ran out. Who was the one who benefited from it? Rocco. Now, listen, Rocco's done a lot of very, very good things since he's been here. Uh the Viola Park looks amazing. Uh, when you take a look at some of the other things that they're doing, I love what they're doing with these event marketing campaigns that they have. They're taking that little Viola truck that people play video games with. They have some merchandise. They're going out with that silly looking mascot. They're, uh, you know, engaging with the fans, engaging with the tourists. And, and they are creating a lot of buzz for this club. It is very, very exciting. The... Um, in-game, away game um, uh, sit-ins that they have at Viola Park where the fans get to buy tickets and come in to watch the away game with those players and administrators who don't go to the game. Looks absolutely stunning. Beautiful. Love what they're doing there. However, we talk about the Della Valley who got run out. They had many teams that finished second, third, fourth at the end of the year, not fourth mid-year and they had many years where they would invest and break the bank prior to them losing interest at the end of their tenure which eventually Rocco uh, was able to be a, a beneficiary of Rocco does need to figure out if he's going to invest in this club number one he's not a young guy if he wants to see Fiorentina win if he wants the longtime admiration of those fans he needs to bring some type of winner into that city and the only way you're going to do it is not by waiting for players to come up through the Viola Park. Not that young. Um, he needs to start buying those players and bringing them in to produce day one, which I would love to see be in this uh, Mercado. But Joe Barone has already said not going to happen. Tangent. Well, I apologize. Oh, no. First of all, how dare you say that about silly little mascot, our Lord and Savior, the merciless Lorenzo the Lion. Um, but no, I, I think that's a fair point. And I think the, 
as they say, the locals are starting to get a little bit restless, and I just worry that is going to lead, uh, given the way that uh, Rocco has previously communicated with anyone who disagrees with him or dares to question his actions, as you're uh, personally aware, I believe, McMike. Uh, I worry that could turn very ugly if we aren't careful. Allegedly. Allegedly. Right. Sorry. 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 Allegedly. Allegedly. You know, I, I'm not recording from the bunker anymore, but I can hear the legal department screaming and pounding on the glass that we throw that allegedly in there. Uh, tell you what, man, let's let's get back to this Mercado then. Um, I don't know. Let's go. Let's go around in a circle. Maybe uh, sit around this campfire, roast some marshmallows. And figure out what is the single biggest need. You could name either a player or just a position or a role. Uh, Hines, you want to start? Goal scoring winger. I, if anybody wants to disagree with me, you can go ahead. Or we could all go around in a circle and say why we need a goal scoring winger. We're here. We got time to kill. Everyone's just stuck listening to us. But it has to be that. I think Beltron will develop. He's going to come good. You could see it already. He's making progress, but somebody else needs to help. Jack is helping. Ranieri's helping. Lucas Martinez Guarta is helping. But somebody up front who's a forward needs to score when Nico's hurt. It just has to be. I it was fairly disheartening to go from we're gonna spend fifteen million on two different players to haggling over a couple million right now on a couple players who aren't even known for their goal scoring abilities. I kind of don't know what we're doing right now. I like to think they have a plan, but I'm not going to speculate because it's probably best not to. Allegedly. That's just absolutely the team's biggest need. If you want to go with a secondary need, we're going to need a Jack replacement because Antonin Barak is not it. Well, I'm glad you said that. Uh, there's been one constant since we've started these podcasts. Young Italian midfielders from Empoli. Uh, that Mike falls in <laughs> love with. And, and and we just get so close. We're so close. And then we're just like, here, Roma, here, Torino, here, Inter. Like, you know, it's like some weird kind of dance where we just get rid of these players. That should be the future of the club. Um, the only player that I've I've actually seen us attached to the name was Mr. Tommaso, man. Like, that was the signing that could have helped us this year. And more importantly, I think that there was going to be some consistency over the next few years where, who else is an issue? Gaetano Castrovilli, we haven't talked about him. He's not going to resign. So, you know, a guy who's been blocked out by Jack, not staying around, Jack isn't even being renewed at this point. They're basically trying to keep him to his games played minutes to uh, enact a contract that will keep his $1.5 million in place for next season. That's our strategy for the attacking midfield position. That's not a strategy at all. Keeping Jack as he gets older by playing him extra, extra minutes this year, losing Castrovilli, and then allowing Tommaso to go to uh, uh, to Roma. Awful, awful strategy. I'm with you. First thing first, we need a winger because I've talked about I'm not a fan of Iconane. 
we're, we're missing a lot of productivity there. And I think that that productivity would be able to take a lot of weight off of Beltran, which is very, very important. But the the most exciting player I've seen us uh, attached to from a name was was that beautiful midfielder from Empoli that is now going to be going to Roma. Well, let me uh, let me uh, set up a sort of counter situation for y'all, because I think that with Kwame coming back within a month or so, I mean, there's your other winger opposite uh, Nico. And I, I love Kwame. I think he's a really good player. I think also having uh, Dodo and Farione back means that his aerial ability at the back post should offer another attacking dimension. Also, his ability to switch with uh, Beltran offers another avenue of attack. He can even play striker in a pinch. Uh, I think to me what's really interesting is, like we've talked about a little bit already, is that... Uh, I think Beltran's future may not be as an out-and-out number nine. I think he looks more like a number 10. So I would argue that he might long-term be the Bonaventura replacement more than anyone else on the roster, which means, again, the biggest need is for a striker. And so to me, that is the most important thing, is finding a number nine, preferably just a big body who can win in the air, occupy multiple defenders, knock down high balls, and bring all of these really talented technical attackers into play. And McMike, I can see you smiling, and I can see that little sparkle in your eyes despite that dim lighting, because I know that the name inside of that big old noggin that's rattling around is Samuel Espeluto, and I don't think that he's the answer, but I think that someone along those lines absolutely is. There are many questions that he's the answer for, but yes, I agree. Not the answer for this one in particular. <laughs> uh, so there are actually quite a few gaps that we have in this team. And we're talking about a Mercado where we're sitting. We were sitting fourth at the beginning of the Mercado. Now sitting fifth, potentially soon to be sitting seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. And we're not making moves for anybody other than Ferrione, who's looked very, very good. So where does that put your panic meter on at this point? Honestly, mine's still pretty low. Prade has never liked doing business in January. I wrote an article about this at the start of the uh, at the start of the transfer window. I went back and looked at every January market he's been in charge of since returning to Florence. And he just doesn't tend to splash money in the winter. It's just not the way that he does it. So I, I I wasn't expecting anything. Doesn't mean I'm not disappointed, but I also wasn't expecting anything, which, again, just quoting my dad at this point. For me, the panic meter, you won't know if it's time to panic until it's too late. I think this is going to be the situation we're in. The biggest question mark at the moment is Kwame and AFCON, just because you don't know how much of a need there's going to be to fill his gap for another couple of weeks he could be back very shortly they could make a run to the finals and either way you won't know what conditions he's in until he gets back there's going to be extra miles on those legs that you know similar to the world cup last year it will take a toll as we get towards the end of the year but they're not going to find out until it's too late then you panic but then it's march and you're kind of screwed 
And he's newly married, so there's extra miles being put on that guy anyway. So, wow, I am amazed we made it this far into this triumphant return episode before that came up. Good grief! Uh, I I will uh, just trying to get this back on the rails here. <laughs> I mean, in theory, too. I think if uh, if Sotil can get healthy, which again. Mm is a tough sell. I mean, back injuries, as all of us as men over the age of 30 are painfully aware, takes mm-hmm. a long time to recover from, uh, especially for someone who's, you know, explosively athletic. Uh, a back injury can really kind of be the death knell, I think. And I worry that's the case for Ricky. I and mean, he's had a few decent moments in his limited minutes this year, but I, don't, I mean, I, I don't think we can really count on him at this point. So, yeah, no, I'm, I wouldn't mind seeing another winger. Uh, I think the other thing here, though, is that uh, fun little wrinkle. Fiorentina needs to get a name or two off the roster before they can sign anyone. Uh, they are only allowed to register, what is it, 26 senior players? And I believe with Farioni, that is 26. So as much fun as it would be to see signings, uh, that Breckelow deal needs to be finalized before anyone else can come in. For many reasons. Well, oh boy, howdy. That's the truth. Uh, but that's the other thing. We we can't probably see any other additions without getting someone else out the door. And I think whether that's uh, Johnny Infantino, whether that's, uh, the master of the nipples, Yeri Mina. You know, we got to see, we got to see people head towards the exit. Tito, Tito, Tito. Listen, yeah, master of the nipples. All right. Uh, is is that the note we end on? Is that it? Uh, no, that no, 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 no. Listen, listen. I I, I think that's phenomenal. Uh, can I ask this question? Because you you mentioned Infantino. How sad would it be that the reason why I got a kid who needs to go and get some minutes elsewhere isn't loaned out because the squad doesn't want to go to the market and replace him with somebody else? Yeah, I I mean, I think that's essentially malpractice. You're hampering the career of a player you just spent money on. Uh, at that point, what are you doing, right? Like, he, he I think he needs to probably be playing pretty regularly to improve, to really figure it out to get his uh to get his career on track in Italy, leaving him on the bench. I don't I mean maybe the idea is just to give him this first year, sit in Florence, no pressure, learn the ropes, all that. But yeah, I'm with you. It feels like to to take a page out of your book, bad asset management. And uh speaking of bad asset management, I think that is it for us. Uh, I think we did it, guys. I think we did a perfect podcast Welcome on our back. return to the microphones. There it is. Michael, Let's try not to get thoughts? canceled again. Like, you know, I, I think I think what we need to do is ask all of our listeners and readers at this point to uh, rate Michael on his first full podcast. Do it. I need to be taken less down than a an eight and a half, eight, eight and a half, eight and a half on your first one out of ten. I thought you did phenomenal. Break me down. I accept it. I shouldn't say that. This is going on the internet. That's going to go horrible. Oh, well. Yeah, no, this it may really turn into a meme. We're, no, I'm pulling the plug on this whole thing. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Great being back. Uh, 
oh god this is just this is just degenerated so quickly goodbye everyone Thanks for listening to the Viola Nation podcast. Find us at violanation.com or on Twitter at viola underscore nation. Big thanks to Sports Social Podcast Network for hosting us. Sports at Viola. Sports Social Podcast Network.